Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon, or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing this show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out tangiboundnetwork.com. You can look them up and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile friendly. What more could you ask for? Which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains. You can do it. You can do it. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the GunnaGeek network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready, because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this episode of the PCC Multiverse, Josh Peterson and I look deeper into Sony's decision to branch off a new Venom movie and ask whether Spider-Man's folk can really make it on his own. Josh is also venting on the backlash of Marvel's Iron Fist and EA's Mass Effect Andromeda with his own thoughts now that he has spent some time with each. We also discuss the controversy with YouTube stars Colin Moriarty and PewDiePie and ponder the changing climate of the Twitter generation. And our thoughts on Scarlett Johansson's latest movie, Ghost in the Shell, and whether fans of the anime and casual audiences alike will go and check it out. All this, plus another great song from Moy Navarro, a taste of the Wine, Women, and Words program, and the Super Bro Station Gamecast crew share their thoughts on the Mana series coming to the Nintendo Switch. It's another long list of topics to get into on today's program, as we head to our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I'm here along with my good friend, the man, the myth, the legend behind Humanica Media, and also the man all, well, he's just a big part of everything that we do at Game Source and Pop Culture Cosmos. And like I said, he is just the man doing everything he can as far as for all of our different outlets it's josh peterson how are you my friend hello i'm good man i'm happy to uh be here talking some pop culture 
with my good friend Gerald. There you go, indeed. Um, and then congratulations uh, again to our winner uh, on our previous episode of the copy of Mass Effect Andromeda, which I know you'll be uh, hopefully talking about very soon. I know you got a little bit of rant on that. I'm going to make sure that gets on the PCC multiverse today. So I, I, pre- I hope that our, our winner enjoys it. So it's very, very greatly uh, appreciated that uh, everybody out there that liked it and that entered the contest. Hopefully we'll be able to do a contest down the road. Uh, greatly appreciate everybody entering that contest indeed. Well, we are one of the top shows right here on the Podcast Radio Network. We're here Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast.com. Mixcloud, TuneIn, the ESO Network, the Tangent Bound Network, and the Gunna Geek Network as well. Don't forget, the number one show on the Podcast Radio Network is our show on Monday nights, the Podcast Radio Network, every Monday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, on the Podcast Radio Network. Don't forget either of those shows, and if you miss them on the Podcast Radio Network, it's okay. You can also download it at any time on all those streaming channels I just mentioned. Want to also give a big shout out to our sponsors, Always Green Synthetic Turf and Putting Greens. You're going to hear the commercial coming up in this episode. So take down that number, give them a call, uh, or, or just, just go ahead online, go and check them out. Always Green Synthetic Turf and Putting Greens in Huntington Beach. If you anywhere in the Los Angeles or Orange Counties and you want to go ahead and make a change to beautify your home, Give them a call. They do a lot with synthetic turf, putting greens, obviously, but they also do a lot with brick walls. That they they do a lot of landscaping. Uh, anything else that they do as well, Josh? And they also give free estimates, and then also they do financing as well. Correct. Correct. I think you covered it. Yeah, they're they their their grass is really when you you know when you think of fake grass, you think of astroturf and Brady Bunch or whatever. But their grass actually looks real and they will pack dirt underneath it to give it the the uh you know contours of a normal lawn and it actually looks very real and you know the great thing about it is if dogs you know stop by and do their business on the grass and clean it right off it and it's super easy you can hose out urine whatever whatever happens to these yards are super durable and they pretty much pay for themselves after the first year so give them a call check them out Indeed. They were stopped by their store in Huntington Beach. It's always green synthetic turf and putting greens. Also check out our good friends on Facebook, Retro City Games. That's Retro City Games on Facebook, the leaders in gaming in Southern Nevada. And for all the great projects that he's doing, check out RobMcCallumFilms.com for, for just, you know, like the Kitty documentary, the Box Art documentary, the Masters of the Universe uh, always, he's, he just, they're also going to be doing another episode of GamerCast coming up with J. Rob and Glenn. There's just a lot of great things going on with Rob McCallum and all the projects he's doing. So stay tuned with that with RobMcCallumFilms.com. So it's another great episode we've got for you today. We've got another song from Moy Navarro coming up. But I want to ask you this, Josh, starting off, what do you know more about the new Spider-Man spinoff movie that they're talking about doing over at Sony Pictures? Oh, they're very vague about it, honestly. They, they, well, from what I was reading, uh, sorry, um, it, it's not connected to Spider-Man at all. It's not connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but 
it runs alongside. I don't I don't really understand what they're trying to get at with with this. It's very confusing. But it's dealing with Venom, is that correct? Venom, and so that it's inevitable that he would have to end up in Spider-Man eventually. So that's what I, I don't understand. Like, you can't have Venom. You can't have a Venom movie in a Sony-centric universe and not have Spider-Man. It's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Because eventually, they're going to want to take Venom and put him in a Spider-Man movie to raise numbers or interest or whatever. And I really don't understand what they're doing with this. Because Venom is the antithesis of Spider-Man. That's what I had always believed it to be. That's what he's always been portrayed to be, uh, correct? Right, and that is, it's one of Spider-Man's biggest story arcs, like one of the most popular Spider-Man story arcs there. So you can't have, like, Sony is weird because it's like they want to have their own universe to play around with, but they also want to have this Marvel relationship. And I don't think having the things split off into two different directions is going to do any good for them. If anything, it's just going to frustrate fans and nobody's going to want to go watch it. Uh, that's to me, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And if it's going to have any type of superhero type budget, you're talking well over a hundred million dollars. And if that's the case, it's going to need to bank a large amount. And I don't think the casual fans out there really care or really understand or, or really want to know more about the Venom story. So it's going to take a really hard sell job for Sony, who in the recent years has not made the best of decisions when it comes to films are concerned. So if you are running Sony, would you actually really green light Venom, the movie, or would you choose another entity within that Spider-Man universe to go ahead and spin off instead? I would greenlight the Venom movie under the condition that they make it based off the new Venom, which is actually a a good uh, he's a he's a hero anti hero whatever you want to call it, and they had it run alongside the Marvel have had it part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's the only way I would greenlight something like that because you can't you're basically you're taking Spider Man characters and you're breaking them off, so you're going to have one universe over here that revolves around Spider-Man characters. You're going to have Spider-Man in his own universe, and I don't know how they're going to mesh it up. It's just, it's a mess. It's like, you know, it's like X-Men and uh, and Marvel right now with Legion. You know, is it in the X-Men universe? Is it in the Marvel universe? It's just, it's so, they, they don't need that kind of confusion because that's what led to, you know, the whole downfall of the Amazing Spider-Man and the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. I couldn't agree with you more. There, There's just, very puzzling to me why that they're doing it. If you want to share your thoughts on the Venom movie or anything that we talk about in regards to pop culture or anything we talk about here on the show, send us a line, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also, you can check us out on Facebook, popculturecosmos, at popculturecosmo on Twitter, Humanican Media on Facebook, and Humanican Media on Twitter. Before we go to Moe Navarro's new song, fill us in on what's going on with Humanican Media. Uh, we're working on a few things, a few big things right now. We're hoping to have a daily show coming at you soon where you can get all your, you know, your tech news and all the stuff about movies. Just basically the news of that day so you don't have to surf the internet when you get home. You just plug us in and give us a listen. And, right, and we also coming at you on... Next week will also be a brand new episode of the Super Bro Station uh, Gamescast, which you'll, you will be able to preview tonight, correct? On the That's right. We're going to have it coming up later in the show. And you'll also be able to hear a brand new episode of the What About This podcast. So 
give it a listen. I don't know what the topic is this time. If you uh, send them a tweet at WAT underscore podcast and ask them a question, they will answer it on the podcast. But, uh, you know, just give it a listen. I don't know what the topic is this week, but I'm sure it'll be, it'll be entertaining and good. And just, uh, yeah, thanks for all the support. And s- send us an email. Check out our Facebook page, YouTube. We're happy to, uh, you know, be doing what we're doing. Indeed, we are. We truly appreciate all the support you give, Humanic and Media, Game Source, and Pop Culture Cosmos, indeed. So when we return, I'm going to let Josh rant a little bit about a couple of, of things that has been in the news lately and how he actually feels about it. And that's Mass Effect and also as well the Iron Fist series that's come to Netflix. I know there's been – both have gotten a lot of heat in in recent days and – and Josh is going to share his thought because he's had a great sampling of each. He spent time in both universes, and so he's going to share his thoughts indeed. That's coming up in a little bit. But first, we've got a great song from Moy Navarro. It's Turn Around. This is the PCC Multiverse. is a mystery Even lovers were one day strangers were you and me we were meant to be Turn around Turn around Are you having the time of your life You and me We were meant to be We made it How intensely One day strangers were you and me, we were meant to be. Turn around, turn around, are you having the time of your life? You and me, we were meant to be, we made it. Turn around, turn around, are you having the time?
that was Moy Navarro. Check out more of his great songs today on YouTube. Hi, this is Josh from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey everyone, if you're in the Southern California area and are looking for the best way to improve your home, look no further than adding some always green synthetic grass today. Whether it's creating that awesome backyard that's kid and pet friendly, or that punting green to work on your golf game, Always Green provides installation and landscaping with only American-made products, such as their famous synthetic turf with advanced drainage technology and backed by a 15-year warranty that will have your yard looking great for a very long time. Always Green also installs retaining walls, custom lighting and driveways, and the most beautiful stone walkways. So if you live in the Southern California area, what are you waiting for? Financing is also available, so call for a free estimate today. 714-614-7814. That's 714-614-7814. Or stop by their store at 16772 Wanda Circle in Huntington Beach and get your home looking great with Always Green Synthetic Turf and Putting Greens. A proud sponsor of Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanican Media, and the PCC Multiverse Channels. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com All right, and we're back once again. This is Gerald Glassford. We truly appreciate you joining us right here in the PCC Multiverse. If you get a chance, check us out each and every Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Podcast Radio Network. Also, as well, you can catch our number one rated show on the Podcast Radio Network, the Pop Culture Cosmos Show, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. And then we said, you know, if you miss us for any reason, you can always download us on the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, the Gunna Geek Network, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, Mixcloud, and just a bevy of hosts of, of different places where you can get our, our shows. And if you download us, we will usually throw in a bonus episode of a podcast within the pop culture cosmos framework as well. So definitely something to look forward to. Indeed, if you listen to our shows and we truly appreciate you do, we just a little bonus in there for you, just because we like you so much. Wanted to get a, you know, Josh's opinion on a couple of things uh, we've heard over the past couple of weeks. We've gone back and forth in regards to uh, some stuff that was coming out uh, in recent days, such as the Iron Fist series coming to Netflix and Mass Effect Andromeda coming to game shelves everywhere at, at department stores, Amazon and online entities near you. Well, both are out in the wild now. And, and I know a lot of people have, have been able to watch a lot of the episodes to see what all the controversy is about when it comes to Iron Fist and to see if it's actually a good product, because I know that's been a lot of question as well. And then Mass Effect Andromeda with the facial animations, which I took a real exception to as far as a product that's not ready for shipping and a lot of other issues with it has been pointed out. So the game, that game has been had, you know, back and forth as far as people liking it and disliking. Well, Josh, 
I want to give you the floor to go ahead and tell me about both those products and what your feelings are in regards to Mass Effect Andromeda and Iron Fist. I will start with Iron Fist. So I I got through all the episodes. I just finished uh, maybe a couple days ago. I got through the rest of them. And I don't think it's as bad as everybody says it is. Like it, you know, it has pro- it has problems with uh, with writing for sure. But it's really, I think a lot of people went into it with an unfair, uh, an unfair bias towards it because of that whole controversy with, you know, Danny Rand not being played by an Asian actor. Well, what, what does it do right? Let's get that out of the way first. What does it do? It, it entertains really. It's like, it's, you know, it takes all the, uh, it's a fun, it's, it's just fun to watch. It's not like, you know, there's no, uh, you know, there's no complicated backstory to it. You're not, it's not like a mystery to solve. It's just like, it's fun to watch. Whereas both like Jessica Jones and Luke Cage had these really intricate backstories and these personal struggles and these, uh, you know, stories of diversity. Iron Fist is just, you can just sit there and you can watch it. It's a fun, it's like a, you know, it's like a Kung Fu show. It's just, it's fun to watch. You don't really have to think about it. There is a problem with like the whole, there's a uh, kind of a corporation side of the story kind of overshadowing Danny Rand. But it's, you know, it doesn't really, it it stands on its own. I mean, you can watch it and enjoy it without having to like sit back and think. It's kind of like The Mummy. You know, you just sit there. It's entertaining. It's a good ride. Uh, you know, you look past the holes in the storytelling. It's really, it's it's not really a bad series. The only problem that I would say, like the big issue is that uh, a lot of this stuff, it's hard to have because Danny Rand's Iron Fist exists strictly to fight the hand and there in daredevil seasons one and two they already kind of initiated that battle with the hand so it's hard to have two heroes uh you know revolving or tell a story an original story when the villains of this series have already been talked about twice in the lat and uh and daredevil but other than that like i think it's a i i liked it i liked it better than jessica jones and Maybe Luke Cage, but it it was just it was fun to watch. And controversy aside, just, uh, if you if you still haven't seen it, I think people should give it a give it a chance. It, it's not, you know, there are definitely worse shows out there. I think the expectations were just too high for this one. A lot of people were voicing their opinion and support as far as from the general consumer base in regards to support the Iron Fist series, and I know just that defies what what a lot was said in regards to a critical reception because there, there hasn't been a, you know, a great amount of endearment towards it from a critical standpoint. Although you did mention the writing was substandard. Is that correct? Yeah, the writing was bad, but the acting was, the acting was good. I didn't have a problem with the actors and that was what the whole, like, you know, the whole controversy was on, but it, I, yeah, the writing had a lot of holes in it. There's definitely, it, it could have been better, but you look at the source material and you're like, yeah, the Iron Fist comics were never really that good to begin with. But it was, uh, you know, he's an interesting character. And like when they go back and tell his or his his stories of like wh- where he came from. But it, as far as like this goes, I don't you know, this wasn't actually based on any comic books is it is it loosely based on the character. And that's pretty much it. Fair enough, indeed. So, so if you want to get a chance, give it give it a shot on Netflix. Josh says it it fits right along with the other shows uh, on the Netflix Marvel schedule, and obviously with the Punisher coming now in the near future, we're we're looking forward to that as well. And finding if 
finally filling out the defenders uh, as far as the entire series is concerned. So I'm looking forward to that indeed. That is, again, Iron Fist on Netflix. So give it a chance. And then if you want, share your thoughts with us at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Now talking about Mass Effect Andromeda, I know a lot has been said. We've actually talked a lot about it on the show in, in recent week in recent weeks. So I ask you, you're, you've had some hands-on time with it now since you got it, since you actually waited, you know, in line, which, as you said it and you pointed out that time, was something that's not done as much as, as they, they did in the old days, per se. What are your thoughts on Mass Effect Andromeda? I'm about six hours in, which means I'm probably like 0.1% done with the game. But it, it it doesn't bother me, like the whole facial animation thing. I think the... I haven't gotten far enough into the story to say whether or not it's a good story, but it, it's it's a fun game so far. Like the you know the gra- the planets look great, and there's there's just it's it's as far as like the the adventure aspect goes, it kind of does recapture that feeling of being in space. Like ooh, this is exciting. I'm exploring new frontiers, but it it's kind of overloaded with stuff. Like there's a lot of as far as the like the leveling up system goes like you have far too many options you know how in in elder scrolls you could kind of you can pick like your destruction magic lock picking so and such and such all those skills mm-hmm. in this one you have literally like an entire list of of uh, stuff to choose from and it's it's so overwhelming because a lot of it you don't even use most of the time it's just you know what it, it all depends on where you want to focus yourself but you can't be all biotics and not level up some of your, uh, you know, some of your weaponry and, or, and defense skills because it just you wouldn't make it through the game in one piece. Uh, other than that, oh yeah, other than that, it's uh, you know, the so so far I like it. I don't have any huge complaints. The the uh, you you really have to be careful because there are a lot of like options for flirting in this game. So you really have to be careful who you talk to because I don't know how it affects you. Like if you flirt with right now if you flirt with one person how did that work in the first game like if you flirted with one person would other people not like the fact that you did that would it affect the outcome um it was usually you go down one train and that's going to be the train that you're going to go down pretty much uh, and stay focused on because other entities uh, other entities parties wouldn't wouldn't be receptive of, of you so you would have to go back in your save and then start flirting with the right person if you wanted to go ahead and variate your your individuals that you flirt with, you have to have a save at a certain point, and then you would always have to go back again and start fresh, you know, going and talking to the right person to get their interest. Because especially in Mass Effect Two, if you if you flirt with one individual, another one will get uh, upset and not and not want to deal with you. I mean, right. and morale was a big issue as far as uh, trying to weigh that back and forth. So See, that's, that's what I'm afraid of with this one. Cause I know they, they say it's more interactive in the fact that there are actual consequences for what you do. So I'm like, I, I don't know <laughs> like that. That's because it's already started. You know, every time you're on the ship, you have a conversation, you have the option of flirting. So, I mean, you can pretty much flirt with anybody on board, like even the Krogan. So you just have to be careful, like who, what you say to each person as far as that goes, because I don't know how, how that's going to result in the end of the game. But yeah, anyways, back, back on topic. It's, it's fun. I, so far I like it. I don't have a lot of complaints except for the, the leveling up system is obviously super complicated, but you know, as I get further into the game, maybe it'll start to make sense a little more. 
Sounds good indeed. And if you want to share your thoughts on, on your time spent with Mass Effect Andromeda, again, send us a line, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Truly appreciate you listening to us. This is the PCC Multiverse. Hey everyone, venture into the pop culture cosmos today, where you'll hear our conversations on different topics within the world of movies, TV, video games, comic books, technology, board gaming, and more. You'll also get a taste of some of our other shows within the cosmos as well. So come on and join us each week as we delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. Every Monday night. 10 30 p.m. Eastern, 7 30 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. What's up, guys? It's Rob McCallum, host of The Trenches. If you don't know what that is, well, I'm going to tell you. Every now and then, I call up friends, colleagues, and sometimes people I don't even know and chat with them for an hour or so. It's all unscripted, unedited, and unpredictable. Why should you care? Well, if you're a creative person like me, you'll get to hear unbelievable and incredible stories because the one through line that connects all my guests is that they make their living doing something creative in the trenches. Get it? So from filmmakers to animators to action figure sculptors and authors, we talk with a lot of folks, and no one has the same story. So check out The Trenches here on the Pop Culture Cosmos or on iTunes. And we're back. We truly appreciate you sticking with us here. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I'm here along with my good friend, Josh Peterson of Humanican Media. And one more thing I want to add, when you're talking our site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, we got a lot of great articles. I know you did a uh, review recently with BitPlay. I also know that you you, you know, you and I uh, have put some stuff up there recently. I put my top 25 films, which I know you'll be doing yours pretty soon, so we can go ahead and debate uh, our, our two different lists and whatnot. But I also know that recently you you posted something on there in regards to uh, the former IGN journalist and also former kind of funny journalist Colin Moriarty, and as far as some of the the pointed comments he said on Twitter that caused his well to make a change. I don't want to say downfall because he's he's made a career change and a different path for him that was set out. So share your thoughts as far as what you said in the article a little bit and. And if you want to check out his entire article on Colin Moriarty and the, the situation going on, check it out at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. That's popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. So, Josh, what are your thoughts on the whole situation as a whole? Because I know you and I differ kind of uh, a little bit on that issue. You know, you, you guys can obviously look it up because, I, I, you know, I don't want to go into the backstory because there's a lot of it. But I think that should he have put that tweet out there? Definitely not. Like you, the, the internet has created this thing where we just, you know, we're, it's made us really irresponsible in what we're putting on because we don't think of the consequences of, you know, our words. And should he have said the things he did? No, he shouldn't have. But was it as offensive as everybody says it is? I, I don't think so. And I don't think he deserved that, uh, that witch hunt that took place. All these publications that were, uh, suddenly calling him out for stuff who they you know they don't even care about video games or whatnot they're just like the international business times said it was a racist tweet against women and it's just kind of like they that was very uh very targety right there they were targeting him for something and they you know if you read the article it's just full of you know blame storming but i um you know i just i don't think we we've reached a point in society where we can literally where we literally just want to 
destroy somebody's livelihood because they don't believe in the same things that we do. And everyone's entitled to their opinion, but it's just, you know, it's, we need to uh, be more respect. I think in some cases we should be more respectful of what other people think and believe because it's just human nature. We're not always going to believe, you know, what everybody else believes. But I think that, um, you know, it, the, the big thing to, the big thing to me was the video, like Kotaku polygon, uh, you know, even the guys that kind of funny, like they're calling this out as being offensive. But I think that as companies that make a living off of reviewing, uh, you know, simulated death and, you know, sexual, whatever it is in video games, I think that, you know, we don't really have a right to call something offensive. We can be like, okay, well, he shouldn't have said that, but we shouldn't like spark a politically correct witch hunt over it. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I, I have to see. I, I know you said in the article that you you alluded to that that maybe the the one of the company parent company, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term, Rooster Teeth. You know that their partners with kind of funny maybe maybe levy some pressure on it because they didn't want uh, someone with that kind of now stigma attached to it. I thought the tweet was a very inappropriate, especially for the day it was about because it was. Uh, international uh, or excuse me, national day without a woman uh, to, for, for all the women to go out there and, and to show them uh, the world exactly how, you know, important they are to our society. And, you know, someone as far as me who has, has two daughters is trying to, to show them exactly. It was to me, it was a great day for them to realize the importance of, of who they are and who they can be. I know we have a great podcast that's part of the pop culture cosmos scene in Wine, Moon, and Words with, with two very active feminists that are hosting the show that I, I couldn't be happier to be associated with and happy to play their programs uh, because I think that what they bring to the table, you know, their point of view is, is, is usually very, very uh, intelligent, very, very well thought out and, and, and uh, even if it differs from mine or differs from anyone else's, it's definitely they bring together a, a, a voice that, that needs to be told. And I'm glad, uh, so glad and so proud that we can, we can play their podcasts, uh, you know, whether in full or just a segment right here on the PCC multiverse, like you will be hearing in a little bit today. So that being said, uh, I think it was an appropriate tweet. Should he have been forced out, which kind of looks like it might've been leading in that direction. Uh, I think it should have been disciplined. I think it should have, you know, apologized uh, as far as the whole situation is concerned. I know we had a situation here with GameSource where someone that was regularly uh, tweeting uh, and, excuse me, regularly posting articles that was being sent out via Facebook and Twitter uh, was putting out inappropriate uh, material on it, and and I. We, did I fire that person right away? Did I remove that person right away? No, I gave them a chance to go ahead and correct their attitude and correct their their way that they shared material. And they tried to do their best to do so, but soon then they they decided, well, actually, what did they do? They kept on posting even more uh, articles and, and things of that nature, and mainly memes that were inappropriate and were something not relating to the gaming things that we do. So I want, game source should be just a news and information regarding the, the the video game scene. And when you see political ads and political memes that that are on there, that whether they're accidentally posted or not, 
to me, that's unacceptable. And after a while, you just get tired of seeing it and accidentally posted time and time again. So that individual is no longer able to go ahead and, and share things on our site, even though that, that individual contributed greatly to, to the success of game source. And I'm very sad that, that I had to do that, but that being said, you know, I had to make that choice as someone who, who is primarily responsible for game source. I had to make that choice. I know rooster teeth and kind of funny when they got together, must have said something of that nature as far as to make a hard choice, as far as whether or not it's either Colin or kind of funny or, or what have you, maybe it came to that point, but I don't know. That's speculation on my part there. I can just tell you from my standpoint, it was, you know, you have to make those tough choices if someone doesn't correct their ways. But after one tweet that was very inappropriate, I, I seeing as far as I agree with you, it was, it was very, very inappropriate. He was still wor- worthy of getting a second chance because the quality of his work, uh, as far as from a video game arena standpoint, was was truly remarkable, both with IGN and kind of funny. So that's my opinion on it. Uh, you know, any last thoughts on the Colin Moriarty issue before we uh, head on to a break? That's the thing that gets me is like where who decides what's offensive, like where the line is. It's so gray these days. Like it's yes, he, he should have thought about what he said. He should not have posted it. But it's like, you know, th- these are YouTube personalities we're talking about. They're going to do they're going to do stupid things. They're going to do offensive things. It's just. But then again, the you know, nature uh, of the, the beast. Well, you mentioned PewDiePie, PewDiePie <laughs> or or what have you, uh, PewDiePie. Yeah. Uh, and and that was he deserved all the punishment he got. Because, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean he went he went above just a a random inappropriate tweet at an inappropriate time. Now I, I may not making excuses for it. That tweet that was sent out on that day, maybe in the seventies and eighties and nineties, uh, anybody who's lived as long as I have, I'm forty seven, knows that um, that probably would have unfortunately been laughed off and ha 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 and whatnot. It would have passed off as part of just the society we lived in. And now we live in a different realm where you cannot go and do things like that. But I think he should have been given another chance. Someone like PewDiePie uh, didn't deserve another chance after what he posed. Cause you know, that was just beyond that was going, that's something where you have a full knowledge. If you understand, if you're at that level of the success he does, you should understand exactly what you're posting Disney dumping him was was definitely warranted and, and definitely something that uh, loss of fans and whatever he, that is more deserving of of you know because it goes beyond just one inappropriate tweet. He he deserved it and like see the internet is a double edged sword. It's like you know you have all this attention, but YouTube celebrities are. I mean, I don't think they should be held to the same standards as like your regular celebrity, but at the same time, they should know that you know if they have a million subscribers that a million people are going to see or listen to whatever it is they're doing well, I or disagree saying. With you. I think they should be held the same standards as everybody else. Not th- just because, you know, let's say we get a million subscribers. That would be nice. But nice let's say we, yeah, exactly. That would be nice. Why should we be held to a different standard than someone who has a hundred subscribers? Because it's just the nature of the internet. They basically got famous on the internet for being, for being weird and inappropriate. That's, that's like what gave their rise to fame. I don't know. It's a complicated kind of know. funny. Got, got famous on the internet because everybody knew them from IGN. Let's just, just put that all on the table because they had, they, they did some great work dealing with the PlayStation podcast and taking care of the PlayStation end of it. As far as the, the channel is concerned, 
the other two guys, nobody cared. Nobody knew them. But with Colin and especially Greg, they took their fame from IGN and they have made Kind of Funny into what it is today. And, and let's, let's call it out like it is. With PewDiePie and all that, Pew, PewDiePie made it because of his supposedly interesting videos, playing video games and things of that nature, and, and streaming. What he didn't get it because he tried when he when he tried to evolve himself into something different and tried to create original shows and ritual programming and tried to make him something as an entertainer that's something he's not prepared to do or something that he might not have the talent to do. That's when he got into trouble. Had he stayed doing what he does best we wouldn't have had these issues today. And pretty much that's, that's my point of view on it. I mean, that. Yeah. I mean, what, what I was getting at was like, you have a million subscribers and you do something inappropriate. It's, it's, it's a guarantee that, you know, a good portion of them are going to get offended at what you're saying. So you just need to be smart about, you know, for those of you who are out there starting your own YouTube channels, just, you know, be smart about what you're putting out there on the internet. Exactly. Like Humanican Media on YouTube. So follow us today. Yeah, what? Like this, <laughs> like the plug. But uh, if you have any thoughts on Colin Mariarty's issue as far as his tweets or or what resulted out of it, because he's going to land on his feet. He's got other offers. Um, but if you get a chance, check out Josh's article on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com because it's really detailed, uh, really put some thought in it. It's really well done, uh, regardless of what side of the fence you're on. It's just, you know, it's just some good reading. And, and if you want to share your thoughts, we'd love you to share it either there on the column or popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. We even, may even talk about it on the air again because it's definitely a subject that, that one, for one way or another gets brought up again and again because more of these YouTube stars or more of these celebrities and whatnot, they, they seem to every now and then, sure is right as rain they just go ahead and, and keep on doing those those things that that make you scratch your head um so so while we hope for one million subscribers uh uh in the meantime this is the pcc multiverse we truly appreciate you joining us uh coming up a little bit later in the show is a sample of the super bro station games cast and also wine women and words we're gonna be playing them both here in a bit and then when we return later in the show we're gonna be talking a little bit about ghosts in the shell and as far as ghosts in the shell is concerned for anime fan, fans out there are they going to appreciate it enjoy it and for casual audiences are we going to appreciate it, enjoy it we're going to share our thoughts on what we've seen so far what the little tastes that we've seen and and see if if something that that could be you know something that could break out and be a good be a decent hit for the for the movies we're going to share our thoughts on that a little bit later in the show this is the pcc multiverse GameSource is your number one source for everything video games. Each week we bring you the best of the video gaming world from sites all over the internet. Like us today on Facebook or follow us today at GameSource and you'll stay up with the latest in information and news plus also about all the great things we're doing on our GameSource Facebook, Twitter and GameSource YouTube pages. Stay up to date with the video gaming world right here at GameSource. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. 
Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Now a taste of the Wine, Women, and Words podcast as Diana and Michelle chat about their book selection process. I go by, um, it's almost like water divining for me when it comes to picking a book. Where I'm kind of, I, I, I don't have the, the water uh, wand yet, but I'm like, uh, this one. This one's the one that I'm feeling right now. Like right now I'm reading, um, in addition to the Wine, Women, and Words book, I'm reading Mademoiselle Chanel. Mm-hmm. And I was just really into a C.W. Gortner mood. I was listening to uh, Confessions of, of Catherine Medici in the car because I have a long commute. So um, I, I've been doing audiobooks and I've been, I was listening to that and I was like, oh, I really. And then because of the trip in, in the fall, I'm like, oh, I want to listen to I'm all about anything French, anything that has to do with France. So that um, Coco Chanel, her story. um came up so i was like "Ooh, i gotta read that one now so my, my turn okay my next one is um swing time by zadie smith and if my phone will pull that up again i can give you a brief synopsis uh basically two brown girls dream of being dancers but only one tracy has talent the other one has ideas about rhythm and time about black bodies and black music about what constitutes a tribe or makes a person truly free um, and this book bounces between london and west africa and i've been going through a josephine baker phase which i suppose you can call it a phase because um, i got really into her history there for a little bit with all things 1920s and swing time just totally it it scratches that itch um, and I always want to, when I read historical fiction, one of the things I love is that I can read about people and places and things and just or books in general. I can read about people's, people and places and things I haven't heard about before and that I want to learn about. And I don't know much about black history beyond your general slave narration that you have in the U.S. <laughs> so this one just really appeals to me on all those different levels. That's the One Women in Words podcast available today on TuneIn, Podcast.com, and YouTube. And now, the guys from the Super Pro Station Gamecast talk about the Mana series coming soon to the Nintendo Switch. Nintendo news. Uh, Want to take it away, Donna? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Nintendo news. It was cool this week. The uh, Mana series collection. Yeah, second Um 
for Switch, which is in Japan, yeah. um, has the, the first three games. Uh, it's weird. So it has the Game Boy yeah, version. The Final Fantasy of Adventure. Final Fantasy Adventure or, or Secret of Mana. Yeah. Um, I wish they would have done the PS Vita one that they released last wait, year. These but these are Final Fantasy titles? No, no, no. no. Uh, so let's, let me, let me let let's back this up. Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a Square has a handful of, of series that are fairly old that are not Final Fantasy. There's Final Fantasy is one of their flagships. Now that they're Square Enix, they have Dragon Quest, of course, which is very old. Um, but there's the Mana series. There's also the Saga series. Okay. And there's the Chrono series, which, which hopefully they two. never do anything with because... Chrono Trigger, right? Yeah, yeah Chrono, Chrono Trigger, Chrono, Chrono Cross. Cross. I play Chrono, Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger is amazing. Chrono Trigger is amazing. Yeah, it's, I, probably one of the yeah, best it's one of the best games ever. Games but, ever. Uh, um, so Secret of Mana is another series that's made by, um, I think it's Ito is the guy that directs that one. I don't or know. Or invented that one, created that one. You didn't play it on PlayStation? They had a, like a really cool, like, I, I played it. One. They had one, Legend of Mana on PlayStation, they had two that I never played on PlayStation 2. They had two 3DS ones, one was like a dungeon crawler and one was a strategy game and then they had this original trilogy that so so it's its own unique world setting it's different than final fantasy where final fantasy every game has its own world setting this has a consistent mythos okay. uh the mana tree is that there's the the mana goddess there's the mana sword and then there's the elemental spirits uh, so there's like very nature oriented mythos, which and I guess every Final Fantasy game is a nature oriented mythos too. And it's also an action RPG. Sometimes, uh, uh, most of the times, I would say like until the PlayStation Two DS era, they were all yeah. action it RPGs. Turn based? No. no, no, action RPGs. Uh, yeah. So that's that. So they're kind of like um, like the first couple are are Legend of Zelda esque. Yeah, but with, with leveling with leveling up and stuff. Oh, okay. So they've remade. Um, so when they when they ported. Secret of Mana to the U.S. They yeah. called it Final Fantasy Adventure on the Game Boy. Uh, you mean Second Dead Setsu? Yeah, yeah. Well, of, that's what Second Dead Setsu means, or whatever. Because I thought Second Set, Dead Setsu Two was Secret of Mana. That's what we know. So yeah. So I thought Second Dead. I didn't know it meant. Does it mean Mana even? I like think so. Okay, because I know why they call it Final Fantasy Adventure, and you can explain that. Yeah. But they just call it that because they figured it would sell better because it's a more recognizable brand. Nobody but knows it became it, it has its own sequel on play, on Super Nintendo called Secret of Mana, Second Nintendo Two. Yeah, but we have it as Secret of Mana here. So, it, but it's completely unrelated. Unrelated, it's, yeah. Okay. Um, unrelated. Yeah. Uh, like there's Final also Fantasy. so there's there's yeah there's actually because the other three uh, Final Fantasy Legend one two and three games on Game Boy are part totally. of the Saga series, which yeah. is a, another completely different. Okay. Uh, franchise that Square Up has. So this is a collection of the first three games. Now they've remade um, the first Secret of Mana game many times. There's the reimagining, which is Sword of Mana, which is okay. awesome to me. Then there's the literal remake, which was just uh, last year. Yeah, they call it they called it uh, Final Fantasy Adventure again, right? I thought they called it Sword of Mana, or no, no, that was the Game Boy Advance. Oh, Adventure of Mana. Adventure of Mana. Okay, yeah. Which, it's, it's hard, but they're all yeah. just remakes of the first okay. game. Anyway. The second one's never been remade, though. Yeah, the second one is incredible. Secret of Mana is one of my favorite games I used to rent all the time when I was, four, like, four and five. Three-player co-op. One of the very few games you had to Super buy Nintendo. the multi-tab, like Super that. Nintendo, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Secret of Mana 3. Never came here. Which never was released in America, unfortunately, but has... 
that game has like multiple characters to choose from with all their own adventures and stuff like that. So it's like it was really ahead of its time. Really ahead of its time. So hopefully they release they're releasing a collection for it. Hopefully they put it out in the U.S. Localized. and hopefully they localize Secret of Mana Three. Check out the Super Pro Station Games Cast on the Humanican Media channels on iTunes and YouTube and on the Pop Culture Cosmos download networks. This is the PCC Multiverse. 2017 is a pinnacle year for Rob McCallum Films. Coming off the heels of the internationally acclaimed and award-winning documentary Missing Mom, we're in the final stages to release Kitty, Origins and Evolutions. Check out this heavy metal biopic that explores the ups and downs of rock and roll for the women in Kitty who blazed a trail in the music industry in the face of unthinkable adversity. Kitty, Origins and Evolutions releases this year from Rob McCallum Films. 2017 is the year to set your future on fire. And we're back with our final segment right here on the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos. Right here on, on the Pop Culture Cosmos universe. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I'm here along with my good friend, Josh Peterson from Humanican Media and also Pop Culture Cosmos as well. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. Don't forget our shows Monday and Friday. This one is PCC Multiverse, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. And on Monday, our top-rated show on the Podcast Radio Network, the Pop Culture Cosmos Show, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Podcast Radio Network as well. Before we go and talk about our last subject, I want to make sure we, again, Thank our sponsors, Rob McCallum Films, RobMcCallumFilms.com, to check out all the latest stuff that he's up to. Retro City Games, Retro City Games on Facebook. And then also, cannot say enough, we thank you so much, Always Green Synthetic Turf and Putting Greens. That's Always Green Synthetic Turf and Putting Greens. AGSGrass.com, that's AGSGrass.com. For all your synthetic turf needs, if you are in the Los Angeles County or the Orange County, California County as well. So check that out indeed. That's always green synthetic turf and putting greens. They do a great job indeed. Check out all their awesome photos. Really cool. Or stop by their store in Huntington Beach. So I think we're going to just wrap up with with a movie that's coming out. Ghost in the Shell. It's gotten some some good trailers. Um, It's got a big name controversial star in, in as far as leading the the parade in this and that's scarlett johansson you know because again like iron fist that we've talked about earlier in the show there were some some controversial issues there what i want to ask is for those anime fans should they really get into this movie should they really want to go see this movie and then for the casual audience as well is this something that's going to approach something that's on more of on on an acceptable level for a larger audience or is this going to find it's just an its niche and be done with it no i think it's visually appealing enough to uh you know hit that market that it's aiming for it's what it has an r rating am i correct in that i'll check and see i I, to me what i have an issue with is it just the the story from standpoint is where she's programmed to be one way, and then she realizes she had a backstory in a life. It does not seem from that standpoint to be very original. But if you can enlighten everyone out there a little bit more about the ghosts in the shell, maybe you know movie how, how it can appeal to audiences. While I check out the inter, in, the information on whether or not it is a PG thirteen or a restricted rating. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with the uh, the original anime, but it's yeah, it revolves around the sergeant who is basically a half a, a cyborg, you know, with a human conscience implanted inside of her. And I think that just from what I've seen with the trailers, I think that this is the first time an anime movie has the potential to have been done correctly. Uh, the story's weird, and you know, it's one of those things where you're, you're kind of it kind of leaves me wondering are people going to like it or are they going to walk out really confused because even after watching the anime i was super confused about it but it's pg-13 just to let you know so it's okay so for a restrictive rating so yeah i mean hopefully the same thing that happened to aeon flux doesn't happen to this but it's you know i, I think it, it has the potential to hit the market that they're hoping it will hit i think it's visually visually appealing enough they did a good job with the trailers and and, and it's interesting Charisse Theron is going to try something in that realm again as far as that's something that's not exactly aeon flux but definitely something that could be surmised near it yeah well i mean, we'll just we'll have to see it's really hard to say because there's not a movie like this has never really been attempted before with the exception of aeon flux and I think that enough people know and love Ghost in the Shell to give it a, a chance. And, you know, assuming the reviews come back without the uh, video game stigma that, you know, video game movies have, we'll have, just have to wait and see. But it shouldn't have that stigma because it's based off of an anime. So I just wonder whether or not that, that people are going to be able to, from a casual standpoint, want to go ahead and invest their time in this universe I think that it's in a good place, March 31st, where just before Fast and Furious, but the, the Beauty and the Beast has died down a little bit. So by that time, so so it has a chance to break out as its own hit. Uh, I just, and Power Rangers will already have a weekend, so maybe people will want to go ahead and see that alternatively than Power Rangers. So we'll definitely see what happens. It is rated PG-13. It's coming out March 31st. Definitely interested to see what's, what's what's going on with it. It's one of the more popular anime entrants out there. There's some others, Cowboy Bebop, uh, that's always talked about maybe getting a live-action movie. There's always talk about Akira. That was uh, pretty much close to it as well. So, so definitely looking forward to Ghost in the Shell indeed as far as from a standpoint of, of maybe it will be something that, that could break out as a hit. Scarlett Johansson, I know we've talked about her in, in a role that, that we really like to see is Black Widow getting her own spinoff movie. So maybe this could be the closest thing we could see to that happening. So may have to go see it just for that aspect. So if you want to share your thoughts on the Ghost in the Shell as far as do you think it's worth it? Do you think it's not worth it? Do you, do you really like the series from anime or, or have your concerns about whether or not they're going to be able to with the controversial starring of Scarlett Johansson, do you think that's going to be able to faithfully recreate that environment? Or do you think they're going to be making too many drastic changes to make it acceptable for any audience? Let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, popculturecosmo on Twitter, Humanican Media on Twitter, and then Humanican Media and popculturecosmos on Facebook as well. Well, it's been a great episode. We had a lot of great things to talk about. And then also the Super Bro Station Gamescast stopped by. Also, well, the Wyman Women and Words stopped by as well. So I truly appreciate being able to get the chance to to sample their programs. Josh, any last thoughts on what you're doing in Humanica Media or anything else we talked about on the show tonight before we head on out? 
Uh, not at the moment. I mean, just stay tuned. We got some big stuff coming. Uh, a daily show, which will be Monday through Friday. We have a new episode of What About This coming uh, next week, uh, Monday night. And Super Bro Station, of course, will be next week as well. And uh, please like us on Facebook. Follow us. Even we have like we have uh, Humanikin at least has a YouTube channel now. So if you subscribe, that'll help help me out a great deal because not only does it, uh, you know, I don't I don't really care about being internet famous, but it just helps us in pop culture cosmos to uh, get into things. Just uh, you know, so we can continue to bring you up to the date news on everything you love. Indeed, and while you're there, you can also subscribe to us on the Pop Culture Cosmos YouTube page. And then also on the Game Source YouTube channel, we have over 600 videos waiting for you there. If you want to check out all the great stuff in the gaming world, check it out there. We've, we've had a great history and a great run there for the past eight years with a whole bunch of stuff. So it's check it out. Like I said, over 600 videos right there to look at game source on youtube so give them a subscriber as well so again we thank you for listening it's been a pleasure just just bringing all this great stuff in the pop culture universe for you if you have any questions again send us a note popculturecosmos at yahoo.com so for josh peterson this is gerald glassford it's another beautiful day here in paradise here in the pcc multiverse and here's hoping you have yourself a great day this has been a broadcast of the eso network your station for all things geek classic current and beyond be part of the crew at esonetwork.com tangent bound network let your voice be heard tangentboundnetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Launching a new project and endeavor is blissfully cruel in the world of today. On the one hand, we have a lot of technology that can help us make movies, cartoons, podcasts, or music a reality. On the other hand, we often forget that these things are just tools designed to help us through the difficult growing pains of building a team, developing a voice, and creating an audience for the things that we love. More than ever, people have the means to create anything. Nowadays, being creative doesn't have software or hardware limitations, and I like that. Sure, there's a lot more competition because there's easier access to the goodies, but it also means that I and everyone listening still have to rely on people skills, brainstorming, and the inevitability of learning even more to keep doing the things we love. My guest today is Gerald Glassford, a man much like me who spends his life in the trenches. We're both creative people fueled by a passion that's hard to describe and by a goal that keeps telling us it's all worth it. Enjoy the show. Do you like the? Do you like that they're like studio bottles of water? They're just enough to quench your thirst, but not quite enough that one will do you.
like at the hotels. It's like they're courtesy, but they're really not not trying to make it a courtesy. Like here's your little sippy cup. They I think they use like those dentist fluoride cups. Yep. Here you go. Here's your complimentary beverage, Mr. Glassford. We really want you to spend ten dollars down at the bar. It's a true story. They do. <laughs> here's your free appetizer for a cocktail weenie. Come join us for our selection of craft beers. Only twelve fifty. A micro pint. There you go. And then you've got happy hour, which you know brings it down to six bucks. Yeah, if you're lucky. Woo! So welcome to the romantically lit Rob McCallum film studio for the trenches. I love the mood lighting. I feel like we've done this once or twice because we talk all the time. Yes. <laughs> but I'm joined by Gerald Glassford today, who's a man that spends his life in the trenches, like your humble host here. And... Uh, what is that like, and why do you like doing it? Well, uh, first off, it's awesome being here. It's a true honor to be uh, on the trenches. I feel like I'm part of an elite club now. Um, As Scott Bakula looks over your shoulder. I know. He's just like staring at me, <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> oh, boy. Especially as he pulls out his Cajun accent. Um, you leave NCIS New Orleans out of this, mister. All right. I'll, I'll try. I'll try. Uh, but I guess, uh, you know, my name is Gerald, and, and I guess probably the best thing I'm known for right now, aside being, a, a, you know, an awesome, uh, you know, father to, to three awesome kids, and, and obviously, a, you know, as well, a husband to, a, to an awesome wife here in Vegas. I thought uh, you were going to say two awesome wives. No, no, no. <laughs> three no. awesome kids, two awesome wives. No, no. Two marriages already, but I want to keep this one just fine. Thank you. Okay. Um, I guess I'm probably best known for... Being the, uh, it just reminds me of the line from Jurassic Park. Jeff Goldblum's character, he's always on the lookout for a future, future ex, Mrs. Malcolm. There you go. Yeah. But uh, so, what are you known for? Sorry, I cut you off there with my pop culture antics. Well, speaking of pop culture, you know, I, I guess probably I'm one of the main people behind Pop Culture Cosmos. Uh, it's an entity that that deals with with all aspects of the pop culture realm. Uh, we do a, a weekly show that that obviously touches on some of the better aspects of our pop culture universe, and also as well, just we have a site that that creates a lot of stories that that brings out the great interests that there are in pop culture from comic books, TV, uh, video games, uh, pro wrestling, collectibles, sci-fi, comic books, board games, you name it, anything dealing with pop culture, we're into it and. And we definitely want to talk about it and and write about it as well. And just so everybody can hear it at least once near the top of the show, where's the best place to get more info on the site and and the cast? Well, probably the best place to to get more info on it is two places, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Okay. Um, You you can also check us out on Twitter, at at Pop Culture Cosmos on Twitter. But Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, you know, we just – if you go there, Facebook is really the place. Yeah, if you go there and you and you like us there, you get all the latest info, not only on our shows, but I, I we make sure that we keep everybody informed on what's going on with all the different avenues of pop culture right there. And pop culture cosmos is your latest in a string of different projects that you're exploring and oh yes, evolving. I mean, this is all coming from some sort of crucial point. In your life where you decided, I want to do something creative. Yes, indeed. And when when was that moment and how powerful was it? Like, walk me through that moment and those emotions as you realize that, yes, I'm insane. I want to do something creative the rest of my life. Well, I had uh, touched on earlier back in high school and 
and early in college uh, that I'd, I got dabbled a little bit into television and film, um, you know, working uh, for local television station there uh, and also as well dealing with a lot of different special effect comps, effects companies during the mid-90s as far yeah, as... Yeah, so tell, tell, tell me about that because you got some great credits and I love hearing these <laughs> stories. Well, the only actual credit I have is on the wonderful movie called Double Dragon, uh, which is based Scott off Wolf, the, right? Yes, Scott Wolf, and then also Alyssa Milano, which is probably the better part of it, um, and Robert Patrick, which is probably a role he'd like to forget. But uh, that movie is obviously based off the the video game concept. Uh, didn't work out quite so well, but I did work for, like I said, two special effects companies: Boss Film Studios and Pacific Data Images. Um, we made uh, several films during, or we worked on several films while I was there, including. Uh, Outbreak, Species, Beverly Hills Cop 3, Angels in the Outfield, uh, and just, you know, quite a few more. I worked on about 16 or 17 while I was there. So, And what were you doing in terms of special effects with them? Uh, basically working on the back end as far as, uh, you know, making sure that the – back then we worked with hexabyte tapes. So uh, uh, basically turning hexabyte tapes of what, what work was done or what work was needed to be done into film – and then transferring it back and forth to and from the studio uh, that would be sent, so that that you know the work that we were doing as far as from the animation standpoint would obviously go from uh, a computer to a film, so that they could see if you know what a developing project w- was was looking like and what an end result would finally eventually become. Because it would take it's not like they would just go at, back then they would go and put it on the computer and then on the film. And then go ahead and, oh, how should I say, uh, finish it out in, in, on one try. No, unfortunately, it would take repeated attempts to put it onto film, have them see it. Is the right color there? Is the right design there? Is the right animation there that we want? If it wasn't, we would go back to the drawing board and try and make it better and better and better. And that process took, you know, sometimes even for a two-minute scene, it would take a month, two months at a time. And what was your role specifically? Were you an animator? Were you a production manager? Uh, I dealt with very little, unfortunately, with the animation. I wish I would have, looking back in hindsight. A little bit as far as dealing with a lot of the color correction, and but mainly as far as what I was doing as far as uh, mechanically and, and coding, um, l- trying to make sure and responsible for overseeing the process and transfer between hexabyte tape to film as far as once the product has finished or when the movie studios sent in the footage that they wanted to add special effects to, we would take the film and turn it on to hexabyte tape so that then sure. again the animators could go ahead and work on it and put the, the actual effects. So And this is in L.A.? Mm-hmm. The beautiful L.A. I was looking uh, at a two-and-a-half-hour drive each and every morning. I don't miss those at all, but... Um, as my friend, uh, who's still in the industry to some extent, Mark DiNicola, um, we would go and stare out and, and just look out. Our studio was, was across the street from Paramount. And so we would spend days sometimes while we were doing our work and just stare out and look at the famous uh, Paramount gates and kind of wish we were there. Right. Hoping one day maybe to do some effects for Next Gen or 
Yeah, something like that. Or, you know, I, I had at one time had this fancy thought about actually being in front of the camera, you know, like like some dreamers that you are when you work down in Hollywood. But yeah, that, as, that as an doesn't... actor or as like a host or what? Something like that. Just, you know, you, you thought you actually had what it, what it takes in, to be in you to to thought that you could go ahead and, and do those kinds of, of cool things. And then you then reality sets in and life sets in. Then you realize maybe it's not the, you're in your best interest to try to pursue that kind of passion. I'm still in the delusion. I, for some reason, keep appearing in the, in the projects I do. And now look at you. You're, you're actually a personality and you are a host. You're just more audio-based. So you haven't escaped that... Uh, the desire totally. Well, that, it's actually, and that's part's enjoyable because now that I reach another different stage of my life, it's you. You get a better reflection on who you are as an individual and and things that you like to do and and like, would like to accomplish. And it's it's so cool that that now I get to go ahead and be more of who I want to be with the technology and the way the world's set up now these days. Back to when it was in the eighties and nineties. <laughs> We're definitely in the Wayback Machine now. Yes. So what was the big takeaway, I guess, from working at uh, that effects studio, Boss Films? What what was that like? Well, and why did it come to an end? And where did you go? Uh, just layoffs are concerned. PDI okay. with, and Boss Films, if you're not working on a project, you're, you're working on something. If you don't have those consistently... Uh, projects coming down the pike, you, you know, you're you're expendable and and you're deemed expendable, you know, in any shape or form. So, um, unfortunately, it's not very stable work out there in Hollywood. And and when you work out there, it, you 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 are basically setting yourself up for for not a a viable future unless you reach reach a top top level. So it's very political. It's very collect, cutthroat. It's you know there. Uh, and those are your takeaways. Those are my takeaways as far as from that as- aspect. But I can, I do get, I did get enjoyment every morning when we went to dailies and we went to a little, you know, basically a little, uh, uh, what would you say, like almost like a film theater, and sure, you would yeah. go there and, and you sit down and, and you watch the dailies as far as the the stuff that you were working on the night before that just came back from the film lab, and and you notice. Uh, it, while all the other people there may not be realizing it or may have other thoughts on their mind or, or what have you, you realize that this is going to go up to the film audience. And, and you realize that what you're doing each and every day is going to make, uh, hopefully, unless you work on Double Dragon, hopefully <laughs> people very happy. So when, when you go to some of these cons, and I know you've been to, to a bunch of them yes. for a bunch of different roles, we need to get you a shirt that says, I worked on Double Dragon. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. It would be wicked. No. <laughs> Come on. You no. go to all these video game things, and as do I, I think you'd get a lot of street cred. No. I bet you I can get you a panel at some con talking about your experience working on Double Dragon. Probably more on Natural Born Killers. Oh, okay. Well, I, I wasn't Double Dragon kind of a natural born killer for you? Uh, something like that. Uh, but yeah, Natural Born Killers was uh, something else entirely. But that was uh, kind of a weird experience as well. So it's just as far as the things that were asked for, uh, the the special effects that were required. Uh, I think I once told you that, that there was like a you know some scenes as far as it's concerned that. Um, even at that time, we're pushing the envelope that that. 
not only what they were asking us to do as as a, uh, a film studio, as far as a special effects company, but also as far as pushing the envelope, as far as from a controversial nature. Yeah, what's just, acceptable to have in a movie? Exactly, and it was just like, was this really adding to it? You know, Natural Born Killers obviously goes way off the off the map as far as it's concerned, and and that's what to people who that enjoy it. That's what it's really all about, and that that part I get. But when you go really start to go and take creative license with it, how much is too much as far as and it takes away from the overall movie, you know? But I mean, looking back at that film, it's not as shocking as it was when it came out. No, no, now, it, but back then it was sure just, it was yeah. just like, oh my god, you, you you should not watch this, or this should not be a movie, which makes everybody want to watch it. Yeah, now it's just like it probably be set on three o'clock in the afternoon and no one would notice yeah so. on pbs yeah exactly so <laughs> so what happens after? right 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 before unearthly yeah exactly if, you, if you're lucky enough <laughs> so what happens do you leave la at this point and come to vegas or? yeah i got we got tired my my first wife and i got tired of of actually being around that scene and and i just thought a better future was had at that time here in vegas so we uh <laughs> I love that you preface it at that time. At that time, uh, you know, well, it was you know, Vegas was a lot cheaper then. Uh, Still is, um, and then just uh, you know, headed out here, or whatnot, and been out here ever since. Um, I guess when it comes to that creative thing, because when you come out here, you come out here and you get sucked into the life as far as everything, either within casinos or based around casinos because that's what 80 percent right of yeah. all jobs yeah well that's that's pretty much what this town is so you get sucked in and your life becomes that right away and then after a while you realize is this all i'm doing with myself and and i just felt at some point and i needed to make a change and i left the car rental industry and, and thought to myself what do i really want to do and and you know running a game store opportunity came up and i just thought you know what i've always been a fan of video games I always way back since I, I I got my first Pong that tells you how old I am and I forgot my first Atari twenty six hundred at the Treasury Department Store if anybody remembers that but uh, you know I remember those times and I've been playing video games ever since and I just thought maybe you know let's go ahead and do it let's take a chance and and we're running a game store for a while game crazy rest in peace. Uh, you know, well, that was a really cool experience, but, uh, you know, I got the taste to do something more and I was going to think about starting to open up my own game store, you know, whatnot, crazy thing as was. And I was checking around for stuff and pricing and whatnot, but it came to the point where it just looked like it was not going to, especially with game crazy, meaning it's, uh, unsightful end and GameStop at that point in time becoming the entity as far as you know gaming in the world. What year is this around? Uh, Two thousand and eight. Okay. So it's like, okay, is it the right financial thing to do? I'm not sure. Well, I got approached by my one of my uh, employees at that time, uh, Nick, who you know as Angry Nick, uh, who's you know, <laughs> at times can be an angry individual, but uh, he's a good guy. He he is a good guy. Uh, and I wish all the best he for him. He is angry. But I wish all the best for him. But yes, he can be angry at times. Uh, it's actually, some of his best moments on ra- on radio and on podcasting have been uh, via his, his anger moments. But uh, good guy. He uh, actually uh, gave the suggestion that we have this entity. Why don't we go ahead and make a, a, a website out of it? And I'm like, 
well, okay, that sounds like a great idea. That sounds like an awesome idea. It doesn't sound like there's much to it. And boy, you know. So what was nine the, years what, later? Do I know something else about that? What What was the entity, and what was he really pitching you for everybody that doesn't know? Like well, set this up. Set this up because he. So he's he, your employee. He worked yes, the game crazy with you. Yes. So we uh, decided to go ahead because, like I said, we had both left uh, game crazy by that time, and just decided to. Uh, uh, go ahead and, and start a site called yourgamesource.com, which uh, up until 2016 was, you know, one of the major sources of information on, on the video game scene for for news and information. And it's still via social media, it, it still is today. Uh, the remnants of it is still very strong today because if you go there, we're still, you know, I'm still posting and, and sharing along with Aaron, uh, who also worked at the store with me one time. Um, <laughs> one time on a Wednesday afternoon, Aaron yes. had one shift. Yes. No, he actually had more than that. Uh, he's a good guy as well. Uh, uh, very hardcore uh, a player as far as loves the JRPGs, loves his uh, the WoW and whatnot. But uh, I'll tell you what, uh, we still go ahead and report on you know everything going on within the video game industry through social media. But yeah, YourGameSource.com was a our initiation into the video game press scene. What was the concept behind it? Was it just like, hey, we should just report online using the internet and share articles or write our own or have our own show? Actually do the whole thing. Because we knew we didn't have the resources, obviously, at that time to match an IGN or a GameSpot or what what have you. Um, we just thought, basically, if we take and grab the news and information we have, we can build upon that with our own columns, with our own insight, uh, via also writing, but also at that time, a burgeoning technology. You know, it sounds like we're going again on the Wayback Machine, but it's really podcasting is real, still recent technology. Um, and that time, he said, well, why don't we do a podcast, Gerald? And it's like, well, what's a podcast, Nick? And it's like, well, it's like an internet radio. You know, thing. I'm like, wow, okay, let's give it a shot. So we... Uh, now, but why did that appeal to you? Basically, it was another way to, to express our thoughts on the video game scene. It's, you know, it's easy to write about it and whatnot and, and write articles and whatnot, but when it really comes from, from podcasting, podcasting, it's you. You're not hiding behind a keyboard. You're not, you're truly expressing yourself and who you are, uh, and there's less of a veil that goes up when you're going ahead and, and speaking into a microphone because it's your voice. It's not someone else's, and it's not something that you can maybe use better English on or you can use better phrasing on when you're typing in a computer that may not exactly 100% be as specific as who you are when you are talking into a microphone and on a podcast. So it's funny because you asked Nick what it is and he said, well, it's a radio show for the internet. Mm -hmm. Not to get too far ahead, is that still what you believe podcasting is? I still believe it's a way to communicate for a lot of individuals whether that didn't get the chance before to go ahead and communicate to the to the world about what they feel about what they think and how they can also entertain as far as what they feel is going to be entertaining to an audience. Uh, case in point, Pop Culture Cosmos. Uh, we when we started that up, you know, we wanted to go ahead and initially just boom, right, put it on the radio stations and whatnot. But then we realized quickly that there was a quicker way to get the word out on what a good idea we have and what a good concept we have, and that was going through the podcasting means. 
Now you said Game Source was eight, nine years. Eight, nine years, um, as far as it's concerned. I just closed it up last year as far as the, the website is concerned. Although social media, we're still going strong. What is What does it look like the first year or so setting up something like... <laughs> You're setting up a brand and kind of a company. I mean, I don't know if you guys were actually incorporated yes. or whatever. So, I mean, walk me through that. And how did you know those steps to take? And what were the the challenges in doing that? And where did you have to get more creative? Well, I did have to get licensing as far as, you know, here in, in Nevada and whatnot. But, uh, you know, obviously that so because I was going to go and still thinking, dabbling about into the game, video game industry as far as a, from a retail end. But... When you get when you're building a site, that becomes I, I, the first thing I realize quickly is that that becomes it. That's the end all be all. You're you know having anything else as far as side stuff, whatnot. It truly enveloped my life, a good portion of my life at that period of time. Working uh, three to four hours uh, a day, as far as it's concerned. So this is something you didn't do full time. This was no, an ancillary this, side, yeah, exactly secondary gig. Yeah, exactly. And I said three, four hours a day on it, but that just touches the surface because sometimes I would be up till like two, three in the morning working on articles, doing research, uh, and then uh, eventually Nick's uh, participation he got limited because of family issues. So uh, eight, three, four hours a day became six, seven, eight, nine hours a day uh, sometimes as far as working on it, um, providing articles, looking up information, trying to find out things on the internet, setting up for podcasts, um, doing, learning how to code on the fly. And that was something that, that I didn't, wasn't sure I was going to be initiated into because it was a different kind of coding than when I worked into uh, the special effects industry, you know, 15 years at that time, 13 years earlier. So it was it was uh, kind of a different thing. And in, indeed, because I didn't have any formal training on this type of coding on, on uh, HTML and whatnot. So you have to initiate yourself on that and learn all that aspect. And that's just like, wow, so overwhelming at that point in time. So that's an interesting thing, because when we talk about and with people here on the, on the show, there's this perception that, oh, you just get to be creative and think about things all day long and you get to just imagine wonderful worlds or write songs or whatever. And it's like, no, there's nothing. I think a lot of people think that we have to do above and beyond what we want to do. There's a whole bunch that we need to do in order to feed that thing. So you're talking Absolutely. about you want this site, this brand, this show, in this this drive, you're trying to get there, but then you start identifying all these different skills that you need to bring back in that may or may not relate to what you're going after. Exactly. You need people skills because not only do you need to relate to uh, get people involved as far as interested in your product to to follow it, to listen to it, to watch it, what have you, but also getting people involved to help you with it and because you're – you can't promise the money because you're not generating anything and you're just hoping that they have the same passion as you do as far as working from a voluntary standpoint. And and fortunately, uh, that was the one thing I will take away from GameSource. Probably the best thing is I met so many great people that really wanted to to be a part of something and, and worked on it and, and really gave – you know, at times when they could, uh, a great effort into doing it. And I met so many good people with so many great thoughts, great voices, great opinions. You, 
for example, uh, with great insight. Uh, I know you're laughing at that right now when I say that, but you know, without GameSource, I would have never met you and also dozens of other people who I have a tremendous amount of respect for and have a tremendous amount of, of, of you know, thankfulness that, that they were, at least at that time, uh, a good part of my life. So the early the early days of game source. The early days. The early days. Has you learning code, building stuff, putting out there, going from three to four hours to sometimes seven, eight, nine hours, depending on your partner's ability yeah. to and you gotta remember, And you got to remember, I'm trying to be a full-time dad. I'm still working as far as regular jobs and whatnot. So it's just, you know, but... Are you reaching out to other people to help take some of the workload off? When do some of the, the secondary cast come in? Uh, well, it, it trickled in first. You know, obviously Nick was in and out uh, and whatnot. But there was also uh, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Bonner, a uh, really nice guy. He, he came in and, and stepped in and he got his good friend Corey. And, and they became an integral part for years as far as it's concerned. And at least from a, the, the podcasting end provided many a moment of, of – clarity and levity as well um sam uh samantha paremba she's she's just uh was just a, a pistol that came in and just you know right away just after some some initial uh, uh nervousness about being part of it as far as you know what is this all about to to really embracing it and and her work was just truly outstanding and uh i, I just know that her passion for video games is is just something that that i can really relate to and you know, whenever she came on, it was just really you. You just understood clearly what what her passion was all about, and and then you know, like I said, it trickled in as far as a lot of other individuals, uh, um, uh, both Stephanie and Jeremiah Johnson, uh, also as well Bryce and Sarah Martinez. Uh, how could I remi- how could I be remiss if I didn't say? You I know, feel t- like you're at an award show. This exactly. This point, like, you know, I want to a- thank you know uh, Jamie Monroy. You know, there, there's just so many individuals that that have been a part of Game Source in and out. You know, based on their their time that were just you know it, that part I love the most was when we were really there was a period of time in about I guess say 2012 2013 that that really had about. Which is when I started to meet you guys, yeah. more or less. We had about 13, 14. 15, 20 people that were contributing to it. And, and it was really just, that was a good time because, you know, so this, every, go ahead. everything was correlating and everything was starting to be good. We started the numbers as far as uh, hits to the site, as far as downloads to the podcast and things of that nature. It was, it was nice. You saw, you saw where it could go and the potential it, it could get because of it and it was just it was a nice feeling at that time because you started to see things click and you started to see you know all these people had great insight once they were were on and and they had things to say that it was just really awesome and we had supporters like michael and 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 also as well katie that were just really really just just supporting the cause and and doing great things as far as trying to get the word out there on on what game source was making so special so now that you you have uh, this, this is kind of a two parter. First, let's just clarify what would what did your role become once you had a, a team? Were you still doing the same thing? Were you doing less of it? Were you delegating? Uh, well, I was trying to delegate as far as you know people just putting out stories, you know, and then also getting them as far as I start. We started really getting into the PR end as far as starting. Hey, started talking to developers, started talking to publishers about you know getting games, and that was. That was really a, a benefit and a side side thing that I didn't expect at first, but really got was you know early happy access, about yeah early access to, yeah press, press reviews, 
I was getting people into uh, cons, which, you know, whenever you can get someone that's truly excited about going to a certain convention or a certain event or whatnot, and you can get them in as press, that's great for me. And I, I obviously want to get their story and, and get it out to the public on, on what whatever it is that they're doing. But you can sense their excitement and about the individuals that normally would have to go and, and pay a lot of money to do this, you know, go to this event that they would normally go to anyways. And to be going in as free and going in as press to make them, they, you could feel that they felt themselves being special. And to to have that feeling that you helped them get to that point is was really kind of cool because, it, and, and Game Source, we were doing that. We were getting people into a whole bunch of events, E3s, uh, you know, at the height of we were doing it. We were doing very well as far as that's concerned from a small Standard. I mean, there was still. Well, you know, we'll we'll talk about uh, checks and balances for yeah, success there, there's soon. A, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, checks. I can I can tell you that as well. So, what, what I'm curious to to learn about and share with everybody listening, and it's something that I deal with all the time, is it's great once you can get to that position where you yourself are much more of a producer or editorial kind of figure. And you can start delegated and receiving materials and best positioning the chess pieces Mm -hmm. for that kind of dream that you have at the beginning. It's like, okay, now that I have 10 people on board and they're each giving me consistent things and they're each varied and they're each kind of in their own lane, you can best kind of position how that gets out there. Yeah. When you when I first kind of threw it at you, it was a two man show, two, two man race, if you will, the two man horse costume, you and Nick and people are trickling in. There was a horse's something, but I won't say what it was. People are trickling in. At what? At how are you deciding who is a part of the team and who isn't? And uh, is it just everybody is welcome? What are you looking for in people? And maybe uh, well, I just, wa- wa- I, walk me through like the team building experience and what you learned from it now. Well, there's a lot of lot of things that went into it as far as you know. Obviously, the interest level. What is your interest level? What are your and basically, how can you translate your passion about video games at that time to an audience? Um, can you do it basically from ba- what is your time commitment? Um, is it based based off of what can you write uh, as far as uh, you know a quality article that people can can read comfortably and be able to to understand um, co- at a cohesive level and, and be able to translate that to an audience? Is it something that could be marketed and pushed through social media that that's, you know, hey, this article is really good and I think you should really take a chance to, to read it. And and if that's the case, then then really just you could see that passion flowing through. But also, do you want to come on the podcast? Do you want to share your voice to the world as far as your love for video games on whatever topic we were dealing with on a at that time was a week, virtually week to week basis? So for you, it's almost the doors were open and if somebody didn't want to be a part of it, you would either let them hang themselves or it'd become, it'd become clear. That's all you can do when you're working with, with the voluntary basis. That's all you can do. You can, well, I think you can kind of set some guidelines saying, look, this is what I need from you. And if you can't meet this, then it's not going to be a good fit. Uh, then, then you're selling, you're selling your short self short. And as far as that, that end from, so I guess trying to reach, the conundrum uh, is how much do you take all these people that want to do something with the headache that some of them might not contribute exactly, or, or might not contribute as much as you want or need or, or they promised. Yeah. Or promised exactly. And so that, and that, that's the problem. That's, that's the conundrum that, that, went into so many years of, of doing it. And when, and then a lot of times I was left with holding the bag. And a lot of times that was like a two, three, four AM deal where I'm 
doing something that we had committed to that kind of, uh, you know, if it wasn't done, you would lose face with, with a publisher or developer and you, you had to take over a project as far as it's concerned. You, were the, you have to review a game that, that you know was going to be uh, reviewed by someone else, but you had to take over the review because, you know, and, and, re- and review that game because if it wasn't, then certain guidelines weren't being met or, you know, this article needed to be published uh, as far as that's concerned. And, you know, you have to play through that game or you have to you have to go ahead and do something that you weren't prepared to do normally in order to get that that accomplished. And that was kind of rough, you know, but then again, uh, after but the price was right, the, well, because it was free, right? Yeah, the price was right because it's free. But at what what cost? Because you like I said, you when you're doing this and you 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 look at yourself and you're typing things you know up and you're you're up at uh three thirty in the morning and then you look up and 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 you look out and just you wonder why are you doing this how many people are reading this how many people do you think this is going to come across to uh and and do they re- understand that that what you're doing is going to make sense to people and what you're going to do is really that per- pertinent as far as from a you know uh, an entertainment standpoint is it really worth it what you're doing and a lot of times i did ask myself that question over the sure. past 7 years and and ask, ask myself every day uh, you know is it worth it is it worth it you know, and these i can tell you at this point in time where i try to provide a better balance in my life um i think it is worth it but at that time it left me many questions because you know that it especially when you're going and getting, uh, you know, for every good thing that you're doing and whatnot, you get an email sent to you with someone who thinks they know what they're doing because they run their own little gaming site and, uh, which, you know, which closed long before your, long before mine did. And, but they said, Oh yeah, I know what I'm doing. And I don't think we should be doing this. And you, why are you sharing information? And that's kind of really, you know, it's kind of stupid. And la 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 la. And you're like asking yourself, okay, I'm just doing my thing here. I don't want your opinion. I don't need your opinion if it's not going to be something that's going to help me or help my site. If it's something that that uh, uh, somebody that is interested in our product reads and say, hey, it's not a good review, then that's one thing. But if you're telling me that my site is this because I know better and whatnot, and I look at your site and your site gives less views, less hits, less attention than mine, then and that the only reason why is because you're the you know somebody that that has done something for us, stop. Oh, just, this is yeah, the internet. This is the internet. Everybody though. has email. Everybody has a keyboard. Thus, yeah, they can just, have an opinion. Just stop. So. Choose something else in your life to, to go ahead and discuss. You know, But you bring I'm, up something really interesting, and that's how do we define success when we start down these projects? Or uh, when I send, send a crew down to E3, and you go down at E3, and, and they come back from E3, and I say, hey, how's everything going? It's great. I, I appreciate all the stuff that you sent me there. From there, it's great. And then they tell you that they sat down with some another local uh, gaming site, and and I've always been and you know me, Rob. I've always been the type of individual I want to work with as many people as possible. When it's awesome, when you can get other entities, other podcasts, other sites involved, as far as is concerned, and that's what one reason why PCC is just so awesome right now is because so many people, individual groups are involved. But at that time, when I was dealing with Game Source. 
I was trying to get anybody involved as far as other small groups in the area so we could build a larger experience. And unfortunately, those days were, were met with uh, either you know people ignoring us or you know just just not even wanting to say hi to you to, like I said, when um, when Jamie got back with the group from E3, you know, he, he told me and paraphrasing here, he sat down with a with a leader of, of a, a site, uh, you know, similar to what we were doing and saying, well, when I own you, it's like, what, what are you saying here? You know, we're not, we're, we're all small entities right now. We're all small fish in a big pond that could get swallowed up by an IGN or a GameSpot or, you know, at that time or a Kotaku at that time, you know, okay, just, so just like nothing. Let's talk about that. We'll jump back to how do we define success in a minute. Mm-hmm. What is the nature of competition and does that help or hinder the creativity? Does it create more barriers than are necessary? Uh, I mean, our, as a filmmaker, there's every year there's going to be thousands of films that get released that I have zero contact at with. At the level game source was at, because, you know, at, at our peak was 50, 60, 70,000, 80,000 hits a month, which is, you know, as you know, IGN gets like in a drop in a day. You know, that, that's a drop. That's a minuscule drop as far as an hour for them. But for us, you know, that that's a huge month. And for most of these other similar sites as ours, that's a big month and whatnot. And we're getting views and we're getting downloads and whatnot. That's great, but it's not, not anywhere near where the big guys are. But you're happy with what you're doing and whatnot. But when when these other entities that are similar are and you just want a cooperation relationship you only want to make their sites better and in turn you're hoping that they want to make your site better as a shared experience and they're going out and 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 they think of themselves in as a much higher entity than they actually are and they haven't hit that you know they haven't taken that reality pill and say don't snapped out of it and say okay really my site's small i better try and go ahead and and maybe work with others to make it a better experience. Or even if you just don't want to do that, just say, hey, I better get a grip on where I'm at and try to work forward from there. It's just, you know, I've, I met a lot of inflated egos. And I'm like, I haven't met this many inflated egos since I was, you know, back in Hollywood. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's the troubling part. It's just, you see, you know, it's great that you have confidence in your product, but get a grip on where you are in the world as far as the internet, because the internet is a very, very huge place yeah so does these other sites and the nature of being creative in a, in a world with other creative people what do you i i guess the question to you is because you are in a industry where anybody that has access to the internet and microphones for podcasts exactly. and keyboards can do this what is it like to survive in that ecosystem well it's it's and how do you define success in the face of others well, or for, in contrast, for them. for me, success was you know, and still to this day, is even small steps. Uh, you know, that time, like I said, we were doing you know at fifty, sixty, seventy thousand hits according to what iPage was telling me, and I thought that was awesome. You know, I thought that was where, you know, I wouldn't say you know getting a peak, but I, I just thought we were getting to a point with the voluntary contributions we were getting, and and uh, the voluntary contribution I was making, I thought that was about the best we could do because you know obviously, if it goes any higher, you got to start worrying about making it a paid entity. You got to start working about you know trying. So there's to find, a tipping point. Yeah, there's a tipping point where you have to try and commit to yourself, and everybody else has to commit with you to make it an even larger project. Otherwise, you're you know you might as well try and keep it the 
comfortable site the way it is. But I I could see as far as the the cracks starting to go, and and because people started their lives had to come in, in into to context, and that's when you're dealing with that type of uh, environment where it is voluntary. It is voluntary, and people have lives. People have to go ahead and take care of family issues, work changes, anything in their life or interest levels, whatnot. They may want to do something else. You have to understand that when you're dealing with this kind of industry and when you're dealing with that at the level that we were at, you have to understand that these people have got lives and you have to have to take it accordingly. You, you know, you want a commitment, but I soon quickly realized, you know, a couple of years in, you're not going to get the commitment ever that that you want you know and so how I, do you creatively solve the volunteer conundrum though? unfortunately do you, do, you, do you try to like if you need 10 people do you try to get like 30 yeah i, I mean I, that was my goal if i to this you know me to this day okay i have this many and uh, outlets that i'm on well that's great but i want more i want more because i know that that i cannot take it for granted what i have and and yes, I, at that time, yeah, I had maybe had 10, 15 people that were try, working at some point in time or contributing at some point in time to the project, to Game Source. I know at this, some point in time, I'm going to need more. So I kept on trying to get more people involved, get more people involved, because I know it could only better the product overall. So did that create like an interesting microcosm where the more new people you brought on board, the more, was there like a sense of internal competition amongst the people that had been there longer? Um, in the same way that other sites were out there were feeling threatened by your site or? Well, no, actually that's the part that was good because, you know, we obviously created, as you know, you were, you were embraced into it. And I remember the day that, that we brought you in as far as into that uh, ecosystem and you were like, I'm in, I'm in. And, and you started. I don't know if I did like my, you started the interaction. Uh, There was some interaction that mostly interaction was positive. Uh Let's put it this way. But there was some interaction between individuals. You know, it's just like, it's just like any other work. It's just like any other t- uh, occupation where, where everybody, you know, doesn't always get along. And there were some, some times that were, we're, we're trying. Um, I remember one podcast in particular where uh, two of the individuals, it was a group project prod, podcast and two of the individuals were, were, I guess, uh, I guess they didn't intentionally say some stuff as far as the concern that that hit a nerve with someone else, but they they did. And I remember on my birthday, up until three thirty in the morning, hearing this person, you know, vent their frustration, and they had every right to vent their frustration because it, you know, in one way, it was warranted. But it's, it's very hard to find and push those buttons and and speak. From a standpoint where you're all doing this on a voluntary basis again, and it goes goes back to it where you need to talk to the other individuals about trying to in the future go about it in a better fashion. Because I know it does when you're running this type of format, there are some things that not everything's going to go pretty, and when it does, and it, you have to learn how to handle it accordingly. I mean, there's been stuff that that I know that's been posted that that you know I look at and I see I'm like, gosh, why did this person post this and or why did this person say this? Or why does this person do this? And you're just like, you know, you got to go and talk to them. And one thing I've been able to learn over the course of, of, of my life is, is learn how to talk to people, I think, in a, in a fair and decent fashion that, that a lot of people won't be able to understand. And I think 
that's one trait that I do have that I'm able to to utilize very well. So Game Source runs nine years, ish. Ish. What are the what are the major takeaways, and why the decision to launch the pop culture cosmos? I got tired after a while, and and the contributions you could see it has started over the years. Like I said, family got in the way of 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 with, with some people as far as. I'd say it's family, family issues, family things, work issues. Life got in the way for a lot of these individuals. So their contributions became less and less. And even though we were getting more new people in from time to time, it was just harder to get that same level of contribution. So when you're not, uh, as I would call it, content, you know, if you're not getting in the content and you're not sending out the content, less people are going to watch the content or review the content or read the content. So our numbers started to go down. And down and down because you're not getting the content that that you once had. So people don't need to follow you as much as they once did. So it was a correlation. And I just saw that uh, trend started to go down and I saw the interest level go down. And actually, I got kind of bored. Uh, I wanted to talk about more than than, you know, just entirely video games. And because there there's a whole world of stuff going on out there. And I wanted to talk not only about video games, but I wanted to talk about so much more. So I started to bleed in with with you, and and I got to know some people um, that wanted to talk about more than just gaming. And although it didn't rub everybody the right way that I did, you know, hey, I'm sorry, you know, I, I wanted there's more to life out there than than video games. I love video games. Been playing video games all my life. Will play video games all my life. But there's there's a whole world of stuff to talk about there. And, you know, you and I have gone into it as far as how much we enjoy talking about a whole bevy of stuff out there. And and I know I started bleeding that into the Game Source podcast a little bit. And, uh, you know, I just thought about doing something even more. And so uh, I said I called up my good friend, Rob. Hey, Rob Barino. And did not uh, say that. Um, and I said, Let's you sequestered me in a coffee shop and you yes. forced me to listen to your plan. My pitch. You did pitch me at a coffee yes. shop, ironically. Well, you know, um, obviously it worked to some extent. You're here, right? Well, this is my show. This is the trenches. Okay. Fair enough. But you've been <laughs> Which on, Which will pop- be featured on pop culture cosmos. At I'm some sure. point in time. <laughs> but, but uh, what did you take from the game source days and what are you bringing to pop culture cosmos and what are you leaving behind that won't come well i can say what i like i can say what i do bring is uh, a level of experience with doing no but like in in terms of your approach to what you're trying to do with pop culture cosmos well well, what worked 300 podcasts you you start to understand what what works and what doesn't you start to understand what can appeal to an audience and what doesn't I mean, you start to learn that that what segments didn't work, what segments did work, what translated well, uh, and also things that you wanted to try that you couldn't. Uh, You wanted to talk to more more individuals out there, or maybe you wanted to start doing segments that would would go ahead and, and instead of just touch on one subject for an entire hour, touch on several subjects that, that still cut at the heart of the subject, but also goes ahead and doesn't get get stale on you uh, over the course of talking about it too much. And I wanted to go ahead and and do those things. But also when you when you work on a podcast so long on Game Source and uh, podcasts and Game Source Plus One, you work on those podcasts for so long, you understand the back end as far as editing, producing, marketing it, 
you know, trying to push it out there as far as make it an acceptable entity to an audience out there and, and help them understand that, that this is a good product. You learn from that. You learn what works. You learn what doesn't. And you learn also as well how to run and manage a site uh, as well because, you know, like I said, we were, we were getting a decent amount of hits for a small entity that we were. And you learn how to translate that into your next experience, which was running, you know, helping run the site of, of PCC and helping run that experience as well to make it even better. So if success, at least in hindsight, for a game source. Plus also context. You know, it, without, game source, one thing it did is I got to, like I said, I know the people. All the people I've known over the course of game source, excuse me for interrupting, you know, but I, but I just wanted to make sure that. I tell you that, you know, meeting you and meeting all the other individuals out there, it wouldn't have been possible without GameSource. And with that, I've been able to take that experience. And a lot, some of those individuals from GameSource have moved over with me to PCC because they see that they want to talk about and write about and do more and, and have more people learn and more, have more people understand and be entertained by what's out there in pop culture. Not everybody's been cool with it when I, when I uh, shut down yourgamesource.com. Um, there's a lot of hard feelings out there. I can sense it. I can feel it. There's a lot of bitterness because they just want to stay within that video game realm. And I, I respect that, but I wanted to do more. I think there is more out there to talk about. And, and, uh, I'm just, I'm ready to, to talk about it. I'm ready to show it. I'm ready to write about it. And I'm ready to, to have a lot of people come with me to, to go ahead on that, on that train and, Let's go right ahead and and uh, <laughs> don't shove your fist at me like yeah, okay. that again. <laughs> <laughs> Take care of that. Uh, this is the pleasures of doing an, an interview in the yeah, studio. Well, exactly because you know I'm uh, trying to express myself, but yeah, trying to so, go on that PCC train. Success for Game Source, at least in hindsight, was at least seventy thousand mm-hmm. hits. Um, you got press contacts, you got industry access to events. Yeah. You're able to develop uh, a network of, <clears throat> of volunteers and frequent contributors. Now, at, its, at its height, it was it was kind of, it was really fun. It was a lot of work, but it was really fun. You but, could, but now already for Pop Culture Cosmos, the first month I think you had something like eighteen hundred listeners on mm-hmm. the podcast before I even think you had the WordPress site up. Yeah. The second month you're already up like over ten thousand yep. listeners. That's a huge leap just in one month. And I know you're still waiting on the returns for for December 2016, and we can get to those numbers, you know, down the road. Listen to Pop Culture Cosmos. You'll hear all about that. Uh, and so, so you're already, like, after, like, a month and a half, you're already, like, a huge dent towards, you know, you're 25% towards what you already had before. Well, we have a larger audi- listening audience than we ever had with GameSource. I mean, we had several hundred downloads and whatnot uh, with the podcast, but we were never on entities, you know, that we were on now with PCC. And that's what's so rewarding is that that you know you asked me what makes me happy as far as it's concerned and what makes me surprised and you know I know Doug had had said that for Retro City Games yeah Retro City Games and he said you know he was just happy with a couple hundred three hundred listeners and whatnot and then when I tell show him eight thousand and then when I show him that our audience is now over ten thousand uh, from all the different entities and whatnot he's just like you know he was wow bowled over and and for me that's just so satisfying indeed because we do have in just a short period of time a much larger audience than than i ever had with with game source from an audience standpoint from a listening standpoint 
And I think it just eventually just translates over into what we write about on the on the site. So is this just a numbers game now? You're just hoping to get to the next threshold and then the next one after that. You so set 10, yourself goals. 25, 50, yeah. 100. But what does success mean? So like in 10 years from now, if Pop Culture Cosmos shuts down for whatever reason, maybe it's a new project that you want to pursue. Maybe you have an opportunity you can't say no to. Maybe... GameSpot hires you as you know one of their editors and something like that because they, <laughs> they obviously dabble in other things other than games as well now. Yeah. Same with IGN. Yes. What are you hoping to look back and say, wow, we did all these things. What would you like to see? Well, I, I'm hoping PCC will be the entity that, that catapults uh, a lot of us that, that work on it to, uh, to a higher realm. You know, But you just want to make something, whether you're trying to get one person to listen or you're trying to get one person to read it or you're trying to get 10 or, or 100,000, you just want to make sure that you have a product worth listening to, that you have a make, make a product worth watching. And yes, I obviously I do have goals and whatnot. I'm about ready to finally uh, graduate from college uh, as far as uh, with my, with my degree bachelor's. in journalism. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, you know, whether I get a job in the industry from that uh, or from PCC, what have you, it just, uh, my door is now opening to a lot of other options, and it's it's great because PCC is, as you and I talked about uh, in the past, as far as what we're looking for now. We're not just looking at game game or video game related stuff. We're t- we're taking a look at a whole different avenue of stuff, not just video games. It's video games. It's film. We're looking into. We're looking to TV. We're looking into a whole different aspect of 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 a world, and and to me that's exciting because each day it's like. Okay, what stories do I want to come up with to write about or to to what stories do I want to come up with to do interviews on or, or whatnot? And it's so much more fun to look at because it's there's it, the universe is now just so much more wide open than than you know just focusing on what we need to do as far as the video game scene. Well, I thank you for your time today on The Trenches. Obviously, you've heard it all here, fresh from the man himself, the importance of team building, embracing new technology, taking a chance, knowing when to call it quits, and yet knowing how to transition to new other opportunities that present themselves. For more people that spend their lives doing creative things, keep listening to The Trenches. I'm your host, Rob McCallum, and we'll see you next time.